to the last Halloween episode of How'd You Like That Movie? You've been along with us for monsters, ghosts, haunted houses, alien invasions, and some zombie apocalypse. But tonight, we're talking my favorite horror franchise. We're talking movies. We're talking John Carpenter and Rob Zombie's Halloween. Speed kills, Chris. <laughs> Well, I'm going to take one right from the 1978 classic. I spent eight years trying to reach him. And then another seven, trying to keep him locked up. Bitch. If you don't think I ain't making a mental list of all your fucking bullshit. (laughs) You know what? I'm going to have to come right back over the top with one from Rob Zombie. It must be great living in denial. I should try it sometime. Well, welcome to another episode of How'd You Like That Movie? As Scott said, we're going to be covering the classic John Carpenter's 1978 horror film, Halloween, and the 2007 Rob Zombie remake. Scott, why don't you take us away? I know how much you've been waiting to talk about this film. Well, yeah, like I am a, what's, what, what would be the phrase? Like, I don't know, fanatic? I guess you could say that of the series. Like, You're like I a love... super fan, an uber fan, and fanboy. I, I, I will know. make excuses for everyone. Resurrection, um, even the Rob Zombie stuff. Like even shit that people shit on, I I will defend. Okay, well let's end. let's before we just start getting like way <laughs> off off into the different zones because yeah, Halloween has a whole lot of material, uh, and you'll I'm sure you'll definitely touch base on that. Uh, let's start with the classic 1978 John Carpenter. Why don't you, let's talk about that first. Yeah. Like I think for, for what this movie did back in the seventies, it it's, I know you say that Top Gun's your perfect movie. This is my perfect movie. No, no. I said Top Gun is a perfect movie. No, no, no. It is not. It's not the a only perfect, perfect movie. movie. No, no. It's not a perfect movie, but I think this one beats a hands down. Like it is like, I think no one will say it is not a perfect movie. Well, and actually the and the way I'm only I'm basically going to talk about these two films uh and juxtapose them is I would say that John Carpenter's Halloween is a film and Rob Zombie's is a movie. And I we can get into my <laughs> distinctions on that, but I would agree with you that Halloween uh John Carpenter's Halloween is is fairly like pretty much a perfect film. Like it's 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 a it's beautifully shot and it's got beautiful cinematography, his scoring and stuff. But again, we'll, we're going to dig into this quite a bit. So go ahead. Yeah, like I think the thing that works so well with this movie is how simplistic it is. It's it hits the beats. Like it's a self-contained story. It doesn't like right now get into the mythology or anything like that. It's just literally guy escapes asylum, starts killing some fucking babysitters. Okay, let's let's talk about this. First off, do you think I'm assuming you rewatched it for our podcast? Yeah, yes. Is it still scary? Yeah, it still it still has like the little jumps like as opposed to the films today, like the jump scares here still work, right? Like you still are caught screaming at Laurie Strode not to cross the street. That's right. Right? Like 
or when she's like, ah, do you see something you like? Like, how the fuck can you not tell that your boyfriend's like two feet taller than what it is, what he was before, right? Like, you still find yourself interacting with that TV because it works to this day. So can you imagine sitting in, a, again, and you've probably heard me, especially through the month of October as we talk about horror movies, you know, putting these things into context. Like, it's 1978. Uh, this film came out October 25th, so already super close to Halloween. So you got those autumn nights. It's dark. You come out, you go to the theater, and it's like the first big chunk of this movie, obviously except for that opening tracking shot and, and, and that m- murder. If you haven't seen the movie... It's too bad for you because we're going to be fucking spoilered all over the place. Um, but for the most part, there's not a lot of like murder or anything that goes on. So you're sitting in this theater. You know you've seen some murder right away. So you know more is coming. And they keep you keep thinking something's going to happen and then nothing. And, simp- and so when it comes, like you're, you're so tense and ready for something that it's just like, ah! like i can only imagine what it was like like the, all the the background i've read on this is that when people watch this thing in the theater they would like scream out like don't cross the street like people were yelling at the screen and stuff and then you had to take your ass and go home you know walking or whatever so like this must have been a terrifying film to watch in the theater back in the day like i mean i think i still think it's super scary and one of the things i feel that really still resonates with this is, is sort of what you alluded to is that this is a very basic concept, right? Like this idea that uh, no one is truly safe. Like, and this is why, and again, with the, some of the directions that Halloween goes, I like the idea that the randomness of it, Laurie Strode is not his sister or any of this other nonsense. It's just like, dude does, hold on, dude does something. He goes to a mental institution that happens to still be in the town. He escapes. He go back, goes back and just starts murdering shit. That, because the reason that's scary is because it means that any person watching it, they can go like, especially then, like with people babysitting and stuff, that could be me. I got my boyfriend coming over. Oh, we're making out. Oh, next, you know, getting stabbed up. Ah! <laughs> anyway, sorry. You well, looked like you wanted to well, say he, something there. I'll interject. First, you have to, like this movie kind of being Canadians, like this movie's kind of only gets made because of Canadians. If you agree you... with the urban legend that this is technically. Oh, you're talking about black Christmas about, well, not only that, that John Carpenter talked to the director of black Christmas. Like if you were to make a sequel, what would it be? And he was like, well, the killer gets caught, goes to asylum, comes back. Well, and the, and, and the director of black Christmas did say that like, yes, they had, he had talked with John Carpenter, uh, but it is a hundred percent John Carpenter's movie. Like he, he doesn't try and like, imply that he stole anything oh no no i'm not saying that i'm just saying like roots here in canada somewhat yep you can thank now in terms of yeah we, we can go two two ways like we can talk sister like is Lori his sister blah 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 or let's say he's not why does michael pinpoint Lori? in your opinion uh that's a good question. Uh, I think maybe it's just like you see something uh, and then he tends to, he wants, because he, he, he kills all of them, right? He kills all of them. And yes, he's following her, but it could have just been opportunity. Uh, I mean, I, I think that this this film does better when you don't try and overthink it. 
You don't try and create a backstory. It's just like, sure. And the, like, that's a totally legitimate question. But I think the scare factor is if you just are like, you show up in the movie, this dude comes out and he starts murdering shit and you haven't overthought like the rationale behind it. Well, it's not just the rationale. I think For, it's... also, I don't think there should have been a, like a sequel. I don't think you can really sequel this movie effectively. I well, think it's we'll a good t- standalone movie and it, it begins and it ends. And that is the, the, the beauties in its simplicity and the fact that the story arc is an arc that ends. Anyway, go ahead. Well, I was going to say like it, in me, like from when I first watched this movie to now, the thing that the reason why he pinpointed Laurie, like even if you take out the whole sister, it was the randomness that it was her that goes to his house to drop off the key. Because if you think of terms of the plot, that's the first time he sees her. But that's, that's right. That's right. Also the first time he sees Tommy. He also stalks Tommy. Because remember the, the kids at school, they're like, boogeyman's going to get you. Boogeyman's going to get you. They trip him. And then Michael Myers is right there and grabs the one kid, lets him go. And then he starts tracking Tommy, starts following him in the car. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. So, so it could be that they. what you're saying is because they were both at his house, it just happened to be like almost like just like a overly like, I see you. I'm going to kill you. Or, or even territory, right? That's his territory. So then why didn't why didn't he kill the little boy just in broad daylight? Why didn't he kill anybody in broad daylight? Well, I mean, that's that's again. If you, if we really want to like try and get into the psyche of Michael Myers, like why is he waiting till nighttime? Why is he doing all these things? At the end of the day, this is just supposed. To, it was just designed to be a horror movie. There wasn't supposed to be a bunch of like thought put into it after the fact. Like, I mean, I don't think John Carpenter thought he was writing the definitive slasher film of a generation or maybe in history, depending on how you want to rate this thing. No, and I think in terms of what you said, in terms of sequel. Like, yeah, they made Halloween 2. Carpenter is involved in it, right? But I think the world we could have lived in was what how they went Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, right? Okay. So just imagine if every Halloween you just had a John Carpenter's Halloween, but it's like each movie is a self-contained. So yeah, yeah. I mean, that's number that too- three was actually number two. I think it would have been way better, like w- way more received. Yeah, because you're like, hey, why is there no Michael Myers in this film? Yeah, after the second one, having... And you know what? Like, yeah, if you want to just do, like, John Carpenter makes a Halloween movie every year or every three years or something like that. I mean, I still that's still a good idea. So, John, if you're listening, I mean, you know, you want to dust off the old clacker board get, and get on it. Um, so... First off, let's let's talk. So this this film is considered classic classic film, classic mm-hmm. cinema, uh, you know, cult following. Uh, but even just you know, it did really it uh, it had a three hundred twenty five thousand dollar budget. Okay, the thing made seventy million dollars. It was you know for a long time it was like the highest grossing independent film. So I mean, commercially successful. Um, AFI has it on its hundred years of hundred thrills number sixty eight. I think we, we talked about Poltergeist being on there in like yeah. the 80s or something like that. I would say that this is probably much better. Uh, we should definitely actually pull up what the top top 10 on that. Cause I, I, I'm going to guess it's fucking The Exorcist. Exorcist too scary. I don't want to talk about fucking Exorcist. It's way too scary. <laughs> uh, but, but both The Exorcist and uh, the 1972 Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 1974, uh, are both really, really fantastic examples of, I would say, horror that has 
quality filmmaking. You know what I mean? They're not gore fast. They're not, I mean, I guess the end of Texas Chainsaw Massacre is, but there's, again, it's some, uh, some awesome filmmaking there. Um, but yeah, it did really well with AFI's, um, even just their like hundred years of a hundred films, it got a nomination. So you figure, man, it's been, it's being put up against like the Godfather and Goodfellas. And I know those are both mob movies, but you know what I mean? Like these, these like huge, huge films and it still got a nomination. So I think that says a lot for the, the quality of the filmmaking. Yeah. And I think if you go back to 78, when this thing gets released, right? Like there was no internet. This is all word of mouth. If you Wait, think about there was it, no, there was no internet in 78. No, there wasn't, unfortunately. Uh, but this is all word of mouth. And if you think of how movies were released back then, even though like I wasn't born, but it just, it went, he was filming, I think, um, an Elvis TV movie with Kurt Russell. That's right. And that's when he got the call, like, oh, we want you to come in for something else. And that's when he realized it was a hit because the studios are then calling him. They're like, hey, 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 hey. Yeah. Well, yeah. And there wasn't a ton of, cause films would, a film could have like a big media campaign, but this did not get a big one. Like for the most part, it was like the cool, that cool poster with just the, uh, the jack-o'-lantern and the knife mm-hmm. and people going to see it and then going back out and being like, Oh my God, you got to see this film. Like yeah. that, which is, I think is super, super impressive. Like you said, without like no internet, obviously, but not even like a big media campaign. Um, this, this still has a, uh, a 96% from the critics on Rotten Tomatoes and in 89, like those are, that that's a solid, solid film. Um, and I would agree with those numbers. I think this, this movie is, is fantastic. Yeah. Like it's my favorite movie. Like it's my number one movie. Now to talk, the one thing I did want to talk about, and I figured we put it on this, like before we did this, you put me on to the one podcast, Halloween Unmasked. Uh-huh. Okay. Now there are some things that were discussed in that podcast, which for me, it's funny. Hold on. Before you get into it, I actually have it in my notes to get people to, I was going to recommend that podcast. And would you recommend it? Yeah, it was good. Like it did frustrate me. Like technically I was the audience like screaming at Lori, yeah. like screaming at this podcast. Like it, they don't get me wrong. They did a fucking amazing job. Right. So before you get on, so yeah, the podcast we're talking about is Halloween Unmasked by Amy Nicholson and it's produced by The Ringer. Anyway, keep going. Yeah, so there's the one conversation that they have in terms of why did Michael kill his sister? Uh-huh. And then they talked about that they had a psychiatrist or something like that. Yep. And then they talked about odds are he was sexually molested by his sister. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be that one, you know, healthcare professional's uh, idea, right? Now, in the original, I do not see that. But if you go to Rob Zombie's version, I could see it. Oh, well, absolutely. So, okay, uh, we should let's let's go back and forth between the Rob Zombie and the John Carpenter one. Uh, so, first off, though, I just want to leave off on. So, this was the seventh highest grossing film in '78. Do you know what number one was? '78. Uh, I got chills. Them multiplying. Yeah, Grease. And like Grease I don't is also the... a good movie though. It is a fantastic <laughs> film, but it's just uh it's it's always cool to like look up like, oh, what was the best film at that point? But number seven, not not too bad for a little film with like a such a small budget. Um so let's let's talk, let's compare these two. So the, okay, so everybody knows or everybody's seen the original Halloween. We talk about that opening establishing shot, mm-hmm. right? And then you've got uh, a POV tracking shot that like comes around the house and 
it, it's, it's very definitive of that movie. The mask goes on, you know, the, the boyfriend comes down the stairs. Clearly he had sex super, super fast. Cause I think they're up there for like 30 seconds. Hey, he could have blown his load. Right. Like, well, well, clearly he did. Cause he booked like, it, booked it. He, maybe, like, I think maybe, it was like pre pre and he was embarrassed. Yeah, I was and just he gonna got say, maybe, the maybe the reason him. the boyfriend leaves so fast. Cause he's like uh, one pump chump. And he's just like, ah. well, if you think about it too, like she obviously wasn't satisfied either. Cause she was just sitting there brushing her hair <laughs> with her top off. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, and then of course, like, uh, the young Michael Myers goes in and you see from a POV, you see that, that ki- the, the knife coming down and killing his sister. So at, at this point, reminiscent to like the psycho killing. Yes. Which, yeah. well, we're going to talk about psycho because there's a lot of connections, both with Hitchcock and Lee yeah, Curtis yeah. and stuff like that. Um, so that, you know, in, in the opening of the original Halloween, you got one murder bang. Let's jump to the fucking Rob zombie one, man. This is, I'm going to tell you right now, comparing these two movies is like comparing steak to a fucking hamburger, okay? Like, they can both fill you up, but one is of much greater quality. So, what is your take? Let's just talk about the openings, the intros of the two movies. Okay, so, like, if you want me to be fair, I think, in terms of the original, like, Rob Zombie's first Halloween I don't enjoy it as much, right? Because I think the first bit works well when it's his story, when Rob Zombie's telling his story. But yeah, once you get to the adult version of Michael Myers right after the uh, breakout of the asylum, then it just becomes kind of like... Like a remake. It's like a shot-for-shot shot remake of... Of the original, which you, for me, I think there's just a lot of probably studio tampering that's why to me in terms of the rob zombie verse of halloween i actually enjoyed the sequel better oh my god that fucking movie is absolutely horrible but no like if you think about it that's his story like that's his vision (laughs) he teases you with like oh this is going to be the same thing michael myers now in the hospital like the Halloween sequel of the original. Yeah. And, but that's done in the first like 10 minutes. It's and so shitty. Story. Dude, dude I, I had to turn the fucking movie off. Like, and again, I, I don't want to get, we're, we're, I'm not going to drag you into the, the talking about the sequels and stuff like that. This too much, but I mean like the whole supernatural thing and like his mom. And I was just like this movie, what the fuck is going on with this movie? And it was overly violent and, and, and uh, grotesque. Uh, and I mean, I know that's kind of a signature of Rob Zombie, but I mean, like, it's just violent for the sake of being violent, like gore porn. And I would even say that his fucking remake of John Carpenter's is gore porn. Like, there's just the amount of just, like, crude... Here, actually, you know what? I've got a wicked, uh, uh, a wicked quote. Uh, Richard Harrington of the Washington Post. This is what he's thought of Rob Zombie's version. Contains dialogue so nasty and stupid, you'd swear, right along with the characters... That the the bookers for Jerry Spring, uh, sorry Jerry Springer wrote it. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt. It was just this garbage, you know, lots of nudity and not like I'm I'm all for nudity, but when it comes to filmmaking, gratuitous nudity I think a is uh, super hard on the actors that have to do it. And what it says is I don't have a way a better way to tell a fucking story. Same with like a ton of violence. I'm gonna let you talk to me. Uh, yeah. Same with a ton of violence. Just like slasher 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 it's like if you're gonna go make slasher films just like that that's fine like he has all like you know house house of a thousand corpses and devil's rejects don't fuck around with like a classic film then just just leave it alone make it make another movie anyway go ahead well, 
I'll go two points. Like, one, I don't think it's fucking around with a classic movie. I think it's people like fucking Halloween Resurrection Blue wasn't going to, it didn't do what it was supposed to do. Trying to go in the found footage scenario for Michael Myers didn't work. Busta Rhymes didn't work. Yeah. Let's do, let's do something different. And Devil's Rejects did very well. No, no, no. I just so I just, they're I like, just, let's I, bring your vision. I, understand I think what they you're... came to him. It's not him going to them. Fair enough. Right? And I can understand what you're talking about. Like the studios are like, make us some money. And this this definitely made money. Um, it had a 15 million dollar budget, uh, but it made 80 80.5 million. And I think it when I looked at the numbers, other than the original, up to this point, I think it surpassed all the money of all the other Halloween. So no, I think the the newest one beat this one. No, no, but as of the time that it was released. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so you're right. Like from a from a production house standpoint, it made a lot of sense. But I just want to talk about the merits of the film. Mm-hmm. Like it has very much like that Rob Zombie feel. But just sometimes I think like so. Like let's see. Like it's super crude at the beginning. Uh, and in the first one, like you said, so one person gets killed in the beginning. We've got what the sister gets killed. The boyfriend gets killed. No, no. First, you got the the rat. He kills the rat. Yes. Then a rat's he... people but yeah yeah well, oh, well, i'm just you saying know what? That's it's fine. going that's fine that's fine okay it, it's literally built like in his version of the movie like michael myers is a serial killer waiting to happen yes. he's already killing animals he has pictures of animals for some reason he has a dead cat in his backpack well it's um, just it's just showing the connection between serial killers and abuse to animals right yeah and then he kills the kid from spy kids Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He kills the kid. So he kills the rat. He kills the kid. Then he kills the sister. No, he kills the father-in-law first. The stepfather or whatever. Stepfather. Then he kills the boyfriend. This boyfriend, elite, like, didn't even get to make it out alive. Yeah, and then he kills the sister. Then he kills the sister. So what are we at? Like, five murders, basically, before the film starts. Correct. So, again, I think that... Uh, Again, I understand that they're trying to tell more of Michael Myers' story. Oh, I think that it just doesn't work as a scare factor the same way the original does. Anyway, and you got go the nurse. You got the nurse. Yeah, and the nurse. You got the nurse. Yeah. But I think the one thing, like the original, like in terms of the casting, like Donald Plenis, Sam Loomis is amazing, right? And even though I love... Um, yeah. This version is technically what a 2000 doctor of a child serial killer would be where he would try to help him and then he's like I'm in it for the money. I'm going to write a book. Oh, you're talking Malcolm McDowell. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the Yeah, the he, oh, yeah. he he was a fantastic he was cast perfectly and how he basically just sells out right the fucking right away, right? Yeah, like okay, I'm going to make a book and then he he has that line like pictures of Michael as a kid like you have in the original, it's like Sam Loomis is there and he's like trying everything to not get Michael released. But in, um, like I said, for this movie, this whole beginning of the plot is a rework of the original. This is the TV version of the original where you see little Michael in the asylum and you see um, Sam Loomis trying to keep him in the asylum yeah they i guess they had added that 
they had reshot that footage or they had that footage from when they originally did the film uh, because they needed to flush out the two hours because the original is film incorrect. is only an hour and a half, right? What's that? Oh, that's actually incorrect. Okay, what is it then? It's because of the TV rights when uh, NBC, I believe, uh, paid $3 million for the TV rights of this movie. Because it was on primetime TV, they had to dumb down the or like the cut violence. Out. They had to take out some of the violence. So John Carpenter, while filming Halloween Two, had the same cast. That's why some of the scenes, like with Laurie, it's she's her. got her hair uh, in, yeah, a, in yeah, a thing so because her hair's really already see, been cut. Yeah, right? and they bring back the the friends, right? And they're a little bit older, but also in the TV version is actually the first time. You have the connection of Laurie and Michael as brother and sister. Because when he breaks out, you see... Um, yeah, they're so, in his like cell or something like that. And he closes the door and it's scratched in, sister. And then that's when Loomis is but, like, but, I know where he's going. But of course, but remember, that's because that has been filmed. They have written this stuff after the original film. Again, I think the film does much better when yes, we yes. don't have no, that. No, no, I agree, right? But I think it's kind of like a George Lucas going back and putting in like... Oh, yes, in Star Wars? Uh, yeah, yes, like... Absolutely. They rejigged it to be like, oh, well, we're going to reveal she's going to be the sister in two. Might as well have it in one already, right? So let's let's talk a bit about John Carpenter. You know, he's the director. He's the screenplay writer. He scored it. Uh, and then he's... What do they call him? Like the the Godfather of horror, or the Grandmaster of horror, or something like that? Because the Fog, the Thing, Escape from New York, Escape from L.A., uh, Big Trouble, Little China. I mean, he also works with a lot of the same cast. So he works with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis again, and he works with Kurt Russell quite a bit as well. Uh, and then he also works with the same uh, producer who also helped him write the screenplay for this, which is Deborah Hill. Who again, the Fog, Escape from New York, uh, Escape from L.A. They both worked on Halloween too. Uh, she actually unfortunately died of colon cancer in 2005. Uh, she was 54 years old. Yeah, and I think like now with the internet and podcasts and interviews, you actually see how important Deborah Hill is to to this movie. And to like, him, to basically. And, yeah, like, like she's the one that wrote the dialogue for all the females, right? That's to right. make them sound like females, obviously, right? Which, which is something I always talk about in the sense that I think that uh, people need, like you know genders or like people of color or marginalized groups or something like that when it comes to filmmaking you always want to get them to write those characters because that's how they're going to sound as authentic anyway go ahead I agree but yeah like she and for him like he's in my top five for sure for directors and films and so you know what's funny I just watched The Thing Oh my god, that Still movie is up. fucking horrible. <laughs> what? So bad. The original. The original thing is Fuck so you. That bad. Oh my god. And I specifically watched it because it was like John Carpenter and it's like supposed to be like another. Is The Fog good? Because I mean, that's the other one where he works with Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, that one. That one's interesting because right at the beginning, like it's throwing out the rules he kind of put in Halloween where. She just picks up a random guy and fucks him, right? Yeah. I wonder if it was the... I mean, I, I have I have no background on that film, but I wonder if that was specifically to, like, negate that principle. Um, so, yeah, let's let's talk about the Scream. The, like, thus, one of the biggest Scream queens herself. Her mom is also a Scream queen. Jamie Lee Curtis. Absolutely stunning still. Like, at... Uh, what is he? 61 right now? Uh, she was 19 when she shot this film. It was her mm-hmm. first major uh, feature. And her mom, 
Janet Lee shower scene, psycho, like so awesome. Right. And I mean, they talk about how much John Carpenter, like really pulls a lot of stuff from Hitchcock specifically from psycho. So to, to have that lineage, I think is just amazing. Well, yeah. I'm sure like the last name helped in terms of getting her, but I think, well, he, she wasn't even the original person he wanted. He wanted like the daughter of the woman who played in Lassie or something like that. Sure. Um, but the one thing I read, not read, but watched an interview and of Jamie Lee Curtis and what she was saying was how synonymous, obviously this movie is with her and her with this movie that like when she said this, it like blew my mind because it's so true. Like obviously years away, but when she passes, the headline's going to be Halloween actress dies. Yes. Just like her mom was psycho actress died yeah even though you know she's done like fish called wanda and she's done uh oh trading uh, places true true lies also yeah trading places is fantastic she's so fucking hot in trading places oh my god first Uh, time you see her boobies that's right but you're right like it's not going to be like any of the other films and stuff like that and actually the guy she's married to uh i can't remember but he's even like a baron and a bunch of other stuff she's got some really interesting backstory um but yeah, she uh you're absolutely right. Like she's going to be like Halloween actor, scream queen has passed away or whatever. Uh but yeah, she uh she was paid $8,000 for that film. For all those scenes. Uh which I mean, it's not bad when you're a beginning actor, but I mean, she also comes from a super rich family, so I don't know how important that was. Uh how do you feel about uh the actor that played Laurie Strode? I actually also that's the other thing. I felt that Michael Myers is a much more uh, flushed out character in Rob Zombies. It's almost more about him. Actually, it is more about him. Yeah. Like, Laurie Strode is, like, there, but you you act, you learn way more. I guess you know way more about Jamie Lee Curtis's Laurie Strode than the one in Rob Zombie. Yeah, like, I don't know if fucking, I should have looked this up, but if the Halloween, not the Halloween, the Friday the 13th remake. Okay. Came out first before this or not. But the thing that I think it, what the Friday, what that remake did was just literally let's put the first three movies together. Yeah. And 2009. And, and we'll just reshoot it as a new movie, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With this one, this one yeah. actually, I just checked, this one came first. But it seemed the same. It was just like, okay, we're going to cram technically the first movie in the last 35 minutes 40 40 minutes yep and and a, and a michael myers backstory and then we're gonna take the backstory of two and <laughs> that they were just the subplot of him being the sister and be like we're gonna just drain that out right i don't know man like uh so one thing we definitely have to talk about with the original halloween is the cinematography right so the cinematographer is uh, by a guy by the name of Dean Dean Kudry. Uh, so he worked on Hook, The Fog, uh, Escape from New York, Back to the Future series. Like this guy's got a massive like some of the biggest films in the eighties. He's the director of photography on. He even got a, an Academy Award nomination for Who Framed Roger, Roger Rabbit. Oh, and on Hook, I believe uh, he worked would have been working with Nick Castle again because he was this he wrote the story for it. Um, but I digress. The most important aspect about this, though, is he was one of the first guys to start using steady cams. 
So if you don't know what Steadicam is, it's essentially a way to get your camera off, you know, off sticks, off a tripod, but not handheld. Uh, it kind of moves with the body. So you can really, that, so I'm, I'm kind of gesturing while I'm talking here, but that, though that again, that opening tracking shot, the smoothness of that tracking shot, that's all because of his Steadicam use. Um, also, even his, again, DOPs are responsible for lighting. That scene where Michael Myers, like kind of half of his face comes, comes out, out of the closet, yeah. but like, you're sitting in the theater, right? And everything's dark, everything's dark. And then suddenly, bang, there he is like, um, well, it's not only that, but I think what well, with cinematography and Carpenter, like they're able to do tension that obviously this one doesn't have, but cause oh, yeah, as, as, um, a viewer, you slowly start seeing the white. And you just want to scream like fucking behind, He's behind you. you, behind you, right? But and you, you one hundred percent, you, 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 you hit it right there. Uh, John Carpenter's Halloween has tension to it, uh, where Rob Zombie's doesn't. Like they're, they're, they don't build suspense. But in terms of cinematography, I think one. Well, first, I want to say Taylor Maine, who played Michael in Rob Zombie's, probably He's is Canadian, the eh? best. And he used to be a wrestler, and he was Sabretooth in X Men. Yeah, yeah, he but, worked, and he worked on Devil's Reject, uh, both Halloweens and Halloween H two O. He's from Saskatchewan, so props up to Canadians. But I would say he's probably the most intimidating Michael Myers. Well, he's there like is. six foot eight or something. I think he's the biggest Michael Myers, like but, tallest. Like you see that guy, you're fucking shitting yourself, right? And I, I think in terms of cinematography, some of the shots that were done in Rob Zombies. Of Michael in that mask kind of beat out the original too, right? Like when he's in putting on the mask for the first time, like as an adult and seeing how that was silhouetted. Also when he's like in, when they're in the basement or wherever he takes her, right? And he's like slamming through that fucking wall, right? And then you just see his face kind of like arm first, then face pop out too, like you got to still give credit to where credit's due here. You know, like, and it's I'll, not I'll, a piece of shit. I'll like, take, I'll yeah. take, I'll take your word for it. I'll definitely go back and, uh, and, and take a look at some of those scenes. Uh, the DOP on, on the Rob Zombie remake is, uh, Phil Parment. Uh, he worked with him on Devil's Rejects and then rent right to work with him. Uh, have you seen uh, Death Proof or Grindhouse, the Robert Rodriguez, Quentin Tarantino back to back film? It's got Planet Terror and Death Proof. Yeah. Okay. So you know how they have all the little vignettes, like the fake trailers? Yeah, Rob. So Rob one. Zombie did. Um, he was a machine. He was uh, the SS werewolf one. Yeah, right? werewolf women of the SS. Yeah. So uh, Phil Parment was also the the director of photography on that. So, uh, which I actually thought he would work with him again on on two, but it looks like they switched up cinematographers and and Rob Zombie seems to work with the same DOP on like a couple films and then kind of move on. Um, so yeah, I'll definitely go back and take a look at that stuff. Uh, the, like those scenes that you're talking about. I mean. But I think I think the numbers really say it here is that, like I said, you've got the original Halloween having a 96 from the critics and you got the Rob Zombie having a 27 percent. The audience, 89 percent versus 59 percent. You know what I mean? Like they're just miles of fucking part. Like I said, steak and fucking hamburger, buddy. I, I, well, I, I get what you're saying, but I think in t- I think sometimes the title of a movie is is what becomes detrimental to it right like yeah because there's an expectation right exactly and and that's the thing people want change but once they get that change 
they start fighting back. But it's not like you're walking into the film not fucking knowing that. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, but... I get it. I, I can totally understand what you're saying. But then don't remake Halloween. Right. But what I'm saying is, like, um, you're taking 1978 sensibilities. That's why Lori, like, Lori was a good girl. But she wasn't a good girl. Like, she smoked the weed. Right? She's talking about Ben Tramer and hopefully, like... Maybe hooking up with them at prom. Well, and that's that's the other yeah, and you're you're totally right. That's why the idea of like Laurie Strode being a good girl, she's not she's just in the scenes you see happens to be a little bit better, quote unquote better than her friends. But she's not this uh in slasher films later on, there becomes these huge extremes, right? Between the like super clustered girl and the like just straight up like drug using, you know, slutty girls and stuff. And this is why slasher films get these, uh, uh, idea of being like misogynist or whatever. Anyway, keep going. Right. And then now you're going to a 2007, like mentality with Laurie Strode down. And I, I do like, um, Scout Taylor Compton's portrayal. Like every actress in like the cast of Rob Zombies, I liked, like, I liked Danielle Harris having the child of four and five back to play Annie. Mm-hmm. Right, and that, that was kind of interesting. That was like a little homage or whatever, right? Yeah, but that's the thing. Like girls now, like imagine if, well, technically they did do the 2018 one, but if you had Lori now instead of her granddaughter, it's probably going to be the three girls on fucking Tinder, right? Trying to swipe. Yeah. Right? Okay. So first off, first off, again, I feel like we I, I yelled at you last week when it's like. Just retelling the story to me doesn't change the merits of the film. Because what I'm what I'm taking away, and I'm sure our, our, our dear listeners are doing the same thing, is they're going, oh, because in 1978 you can make a scary film, the only way to do it in, in 2000, uh, well, word in 2020, but in 2007 is like to just make it like more gory and stuff. We still make scary films. You could still make this film uh scary without having it just in the gore porn and just you know the characters are almost fucking two-dimensional in this film too and like your cinematography can be better you can still create tension you can still create um all all the stuff that made the original halloween fantastic you know what i mean yeah and i think that's why i like like in terms of rob zombies i like the first half right you have the child you have the um when he is a kid in the asylum, like you had a little bit of tension, but it, that's the thing. It, it was, it wasn't as much as the original, but when he does kill that nurse, right. And you're just watching it in the security camp footage of him just getting up randomly and choking her with, the um, uh, whatever he used, like yeah. the piano wire or whatever. Um, and, uh, and then also the other one that I thought was done really well was when, um, fucking he danny danny trego's character when he's like mikey i was good to you mikey yeah mikey, that was, I was cool. good to so you. How, okay maybe maybe we can find a middle ground here and that i think that maybe rob zombie so because this one is the rob zombie film is an hour and 50 minutes so it's about 20 minutes longer so maybe if he would have just stuck to the hour and 30 minute running time and actually just make essentially a halloween prequel extend all that michael Myers stuff and the movie ends where uh, the John Carpenter one begins, yeah. or not begins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, the, but except, except with the you, killing. You end with the breakout, right? That's right. You and then, the and then I think then you can you can create all this backstory, and you don't have to get into ground that, like you said, people start like me start being comparing it 
to a film that's, you know, 20, 30, 40 years old or whatever, right? Yeah, like, if they, I think in terms of story, like, and you're talking slashers, I think, like, if you wanted to make a fucking scary-ass story, is you make that fucking prequel of A Nightmare, uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street, where you have Fred Krueger, who's a child molester. Murderer, yeah, and a child murderer. But he's alive. He's yeah, alive. Bef- right, and it ends right where the fucking parents like are set setting him on fire. Him on or fire. they set the house. However, they burn him up, set him on fire. As the flames are like bang, and then you go to black. Right, like, that's the end. So yeah, we're copywriting. If you're anybody's hearing this, oh, that's... I'm sure a lot of people <laughs> have thought that. But if you if you think like, which you know, H I believe H uh, Warner Brothers has the rights. Like, if I'm surprised this isn't like in the works right now as an HBO Max. Um, maxi series like TV series where you have like eight or nine episodes of you know you have John technically John Stacks I forgot Nancy's last name but her yeah, dad yeah, yeah. Ch- trying to chase this child killer right and then finding out I like it I like the, it I think it's it's, I think it's, a, it's it's a fantastic concept for a film um, so yeah let's uh, I just want to quickly give us a you know talk about some of the cast uh, we got Nick Castle who was uh, ended up writing uh being co-writer on escape from New York. Obviously he plays, it's not even called Michael Myers. Essentially. I think it's called what he's called the, the, the shadow shape. or the shape, right? He's the shape. He, he wasn't never supposed to have like a name. He was supposed to be the boogie man, right? Where he just comes in and fuck shit up and leaves, right? You don't know who he is. Yeah. Uh, so Nick Castle went on to direct major pain, Dennis, the menace, you know, he was paid $25 a day to play Michael Myers in the original. Book. I mean, basically he just like walked across streets and stuff like that. Right. Hey, so, he did well. And that's the thing. He's in the new one, too, right? Yep. He just does the voice. He's not actually the actor, but he's doing the breathing. Yeah, yeah, I like the... Yeah. Um, so, and then uh, Donald Pleasance, he played uh, Dr. Loomis. This, I think this is interesting. So, he was in the classic film, The Great Escape, and he was in All Quiet on the Western Front. But the interesting part about uh, Donald Pleasance is that he, although he was in The Great Escape, he was actually a World War II POW who had been shot down. And The Great Escape is about a pi- basically a pirate's a pirate's a pilot's. <laughs> <laughs> it's a was a like a pilot's um, prisoner of war camp in Nazi Germany. So he basically played the role of somebody who had literally done what he had done uh, during the Second World War, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, he was at the time like kind of the biggest actor on on set. He was paid $20,000 for five days work. That role was also offered to Christopher Lee, also a fantastic actor who turned it down, who then later said it was the biggest mistake of my career. Fuck, really? Yeah. Um, but, but that's the thing. Like I can't, it's one of those scenarios where I can't picture anybody else. That's right. He except, did it. He did a great job. And then he come, he came back for a couple of the sequels. As well, well, all of them. He, he, his last one was curse. Because then he passed away, and Curse introduced us to a budding young actor named, um, oh my god! I don't know, man. I, I haven't seen all the Halloween movies like you have. No, Ant Man, fucking Paul, Paul Rudd? Rudd. Oh, really? That's his first movie. But I was trying to think of what he was actually billed as in that movie because it had his middle name in it. But uh, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. But yeah, he played Paul Rudd played an adult version of Tommy. Oh, hilarious! Um, yeah, so it took four weeks to produce, uh, the POV of the opening tracking shot took two days to film. One of the reasons the film's so dark is because they didn't have any money for lighting, uh, because they spent half of their budget 
on the Panavision cameras in order to get the 2.35 to 1 aspect ratio. So, like I said, a lot of care and attention was went into the filmmaking of this film. Wasn't it also filmed in the summer and they have to get leaves? Yeah, like spring, <laughs> summer. And I mean, it's in California too, so they couldn't find pumpkins. Yeah. Um, they had to reuse the leaves actually because they only had so many. Um, actually, it's funny. So you you brought, you brought talked about Danny. How do you say his last name? Danny? Danny Trago? Trago, yeah. Uh, so from Machete, Devil's Rejects, Dust Cold On. I found out he's Robert Rodriguez's cousin, the director. Which would explain, like, Dust Till Dawn, Machete. I think Robert Rodriguez did Machete as well. But, you know, that's why he's working with Tarantino and him is because, like, they're family, which I think is super cool. You know, use your family when you can. Um, (laughs) Just, well, I mean, Rob Zombie casts Sherry Moon Zombie in all his fucking films all the fucking time, right? So. Yeah, like, in terms of with the juxtaposition between the two, was there anything in your opinion, that Rob Zombie did better? I mean, Rob Zombie had a bigger budget. So, like, it looks it, it looks really, pro, like, high-grade high, high grade as far as, like, it's color creating and color correcting. Um, but, no, I think, again, I think that the John Carpenter's is... I'm a film guy. I like film. Like, I like the idea of this, like, really well-crafted uh, film that's... Ba- I, I keep saying the word film, but basically, like... It's not just, you know, special effects driven. I like the idea of like using lighting and camera in order to tell a story. And I just, again, I will definitely go back and take a look at the scenes that you're talking about. But I just feel that Rob Zombie um, fell back on the crutch of just like titties and killing. And like, that's fun. But I mean, it's the same as like blowing shit up and flying around all the time. It just, uh, it just doesn't get me off. Yeah, Um, but I thought, what what about you? Like for me, I thought in terms of relationships he did well like i love the relationship of laurie always this i swear to god i can basically watch a movie and if it has like a good like relationship in the family like you're gonna have like a fucking boner for it yeah like i think laurie's relationship with her step parents was amazing like having d wallace come in he's such a scumbag in that man such a scumbag oh you're talking about no sorry the mom Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, his stepmom. Yeah, the stepmom. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm like, wh- who's he? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, did we watch the same movie? <laughs> but yeah, like them playing around, right? And her like just being like, "Kid, I love you," kind of thing, right? And mm-hmm. then knowing that, like, when and having the interaction of her with her parents, like in the original, you see her parents once. And that's yeah, her because dad it's just the giving, setup for the whole thing, right? Yeah, it's her dad giving her the keys to set her to the Myers house, right? But you don't really have um, a juxtaposition in terms of what their relationship. Who really took the like. keys to the murder house? <laughs> okay, but yeah, I think in terms of movies, obviously, I like them both. The original way better than than Rob's. Okay, and, before before we do get out of here, though, uh, what is your so? What is your favorite Halloween movie? Not like as in within all of the Halloween movies. Okay. What if is you your favorite? Go, like and, my ranking? Well, I don't want you to rank all of them. We 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 don't have we don't have all day. Oh, listen. What timeline are we doing, Tori? <laughs> Lori's just, sister. Just pick one. Like which one? Like, like my favorite. Obviously, the John Carpenter is, the original is the best yeah. one. But outside of the the first one. Outside of the first one, I think. And that includes the, the new Danny McBride stuff. I would I will put that up second and Return of Michael Myers four. 
or is third. Those would be my top three. Okay, so get, give us that rundown again. So it would be the original. John Carpenter, yep. Danny McBride's. Yep. And then Return of Michael Myers. Which one's third. that one? That's the one, Halloween 4. Which oh, Halloween 4, okay. They come back from Season of the Witch. Uh, well, anyway, that's enough for me. Like I said, I think everybody is well aware of my position. Definitely go. I would, I would just, I would say watch these films. Uh, if you, if you're more of a film guy or film person, sorry, uh, watch the original Halloween. And if you want like Splatterfest, the Rob Zombie remake is good. Um, his sequel is shit. I think the sequel's better. Though. You, you fucking stupid. No, nope. it, it's not. It's not stupid. It's because if you think about it, the sequel is his vision it was everything's un, him it was unwatchable but also he did say like making these movies were the worst like his worst decision too like how hard it was because there was a lot in there he was supposed to have the the third movie which was supposed to be with Halloween well I'm, I'm glad i'm glad he stopped where he did uh i mean he's 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 definitely a prolific filmmaker house of a thousand corpses devil's reject uh three from hell which is called the firefly trilogy i don't i don't watch a lot of that stuff uh, have you watched any of his other horror films? I've only, to be honest, out of his, I've only watched The House of a Thousand Corpses. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched Devil's Rejects or Three from Hell yet. Like, Corpses was fine. It was pretty good. Yeah. Right? Which I can see why he got Halloween too, right? But, yeah, it is something that hopefully next year we'll talk about for sure. next year's um, Halloween. So, I'm, I'm just going to leave with, so, I, I gave you the quote on... Um, on the Rob Zombie uh, remake. So Roger Ebert was at the time working Chicago Times. The original John Carpenter's Halloween, this is what he had to say. Halloween is an absolutely merciless thriller. A movie so violent and scary that, yes, I would compare it to Psycho. I'm sure John Carpenter couldn't have asked for anything more. Anyway, Scott, say what you got to do and take us out of here. All right. Well, that is our rant for the week. Please like and subscribe to this podcast. Put in some remarks if you can. Just boost us up. You can also reach us on Twitter at our handle is how'd you like that one or email at how did you like that movie at gmail.com. Production by Rod Shaver, Vader Monkey Productions.